opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress, the gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to the 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. A properly run team, you know, has a lot of policies in place. Number one, we're operationally sound. Okay, agents are, you know, paid to list, prospect, sell, and negotiate. Those are the only $4 productive activities they do. Well, a lot of agents get bogged down in the paperwork. So by taking the paperwork away from the agent, an agent can focus more on selling homes. You know, the average realtor in America last year, according to NAR, sold less than five homes a year. On teams that we coach, the average agent on a team sold 37 and it's because we take away the non-dollar productive activities to focus more on money so the whole thing is understanding your information track your data and hold people accountable because agents pay tons of money to generate leads but nobody's paying attention to the conversion of those leads and i think that's the biggest difference between a team environment and a brokerage environment is the accountability factor Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share their trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Real estate coach and trainer Bob Corcoran has been educating and training top teams on creating value in their team and succession planning. And he talks to Real Trending today about how to create a valuable team and create a valuable business. This isn't just for teams, this is for brokers and for agents on what the things that they need to do and the keys to creating value. So when you are ready to retire or ready to sell, you have something that is worth selling and can also be sold at top value. So we had a great conversation about what those things are, and there are several different um, ways to do that. So I hope you enjoy The Real Trending and learn some great things from Bob. This is Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Bob Corcoran of Bob Corcoran & Associates in Florida. Bob's been coaching high-performance real estate teams for over 30 years and has helped multiple team leaders sell their businesses. Today, we're going to talk about building viable exit strategies for team leaders. So welcome, Bob. Well, thank you, Tracy. It's great to be here. And the topic you know, we've selected for this podcast is, is just, it's one of my favorite. And the reason it's one of my favorite is, you know, a lot of agents, you know, they get into real estate and all of a sudden they become really good at it. They start building these teams or companies and then they get so big, but they never think of the exit strategy. And so like Stephen Covey taught us years ago, start with the end in sight. So over 30 years, you know, when I started this, I realized that real estate agents did not know much about running a business. Okay. Real estate's very lucrative and you can make a lot of money at it. However, if you don't think with the end in sight, then you got troubles down the road because eventually you will get out of real estate, whether by choice or by death. How's that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
you know, but, but it is. And so we always say, you know, when I started 30 years ago was teaching, you know, rainmakers or team leaders, how to be the chief executive officer, you know, of their business, whether it was a brokerage or whether it was a team or just if, if it was just them and a couple of people. So, you know, by starting with the end insight, and I can tell you here a short story. I just finished one. A good friend of mine called up and said, Bob, I'm finally retiring after 40 years. I said, what are you doing with your database? She goes, well, I'm just taking it home with me. I said, let's see if we can sell it. She goes, it has no value. Well, after about a month of working with her and fine tuning everything, I got her 250 for her business. Yeah, that's great. She would have walked away with nothing. Now, yeah. I've also helped, you know, teams sell for millions of dollars as well. So I think that, you know, for everybody listening today, you got to put your CEO cap on. You got to think of when you want the ability to be able to walk away from real estate. And that's what the whole thing about an exit strategy is. It's not that you have to retire, but to give yourself the ability to be able to walk away under your terms. Yeah. And, and I know real trends, um, Steve Murray specifically, he, you know, he does a lot of consulting and he sees a record number of teams coming to him for, for business valuations. And the problem is he has to turn away a lot of them because the way they've organized the business, they don't have the value that they think they do. So let's talk about some common mistakes team leaders make when structuring their businesses. Okay, for, first, I love Steve. Steve and I worked together for years. I remember when he came out with his first uh, Real Trends Wall Street Journal Top 100. And at those days, he, he, he would throw a dinner. And I remember being there because I had seven clients on the Top 100. And so it was really great. And, you know, throughout the years, I've consistently, you know, forwarded over to Steve. Steve, here's somebody who's looking to sell their business. And, you know, I love, I love what he does. He does a lot with selling companies. And I focus more on, like, selling and teams. Mm -hmm. So I think when you look at it, I think a mistake that a lot of people make, and sometimes it's a little difficult, is you know, what we got to remember, value, you know, saleability is a perceived ease in which the transfer of ownership can occur. And that in turn will drive a higher value. So one of the things like we got a lot of people out there, they use their own name. Okay, you know, Bob Corker in real estate, that definitely affects value and saleability. So the one thing I would always encourage a lot of my you know, people that I coach over the years was if it, your name is in the title, can we change it to the Bob Corcoran group, the Corcoran group, something like that to, to start adding the saleability. Now that has to be done depending on how long the person's been in business. It's got to be done gradually and over time. Otherwise you'll lose traction on the millions of dollars you probably spend branding, you know, your name right now. So that's the biggest thing, in my opinion, uh, is really, you know, what you call yourselves. Also, I think it comes down to, you know, tracking your data. Where are you getting your sales from? Another thing that will grossly affect value is if the, how much business does the rainmaker do? So if the rainmaker is, you know, if a team is doing 100 homes, selling 100 homes, and the rainmaker is doing 60 of them, that doesn't add value. Because if, you're, if I'm gone when you buy my, my team, Tracy, well, then you're going to lose 60% of my sales. So it's about teaching them how to leverage their time by putting other people in place so that the rainmaker does less and less business. The less business the rainmaker does, the more saleability and the higher the value the team has. So we, uh, Realtrends recently produced a research report and we compared team profitability to brokerage profitability. And obviously teams were, were more profitable, which 
seems pretty, um, you know, like a like you'd guess that was true. Um, and it was due to a number of factors, including enhanced lead generation, lower occupancy costs. Um, so what, in your experience, what do you in- attribute in- increased team profitability to? You know, in the, a properly run team, you know, has a lot of policies in place. Number one, we're operationally sound. Okay, agents are you know paid to list, prospect, sell, and negotiate. Those are the only four dollar productive productive activities they do. Well, a lot of agents get bogged down in the paperwork. So by taking the paperwork away from the agent, an agent can focus more on on selling homes. You know, the average realtor in America last year, according to NAR, sold less than five homes a year. On teams that we coach, the average agent on a team sold 37. And it's because we take away the non-dollar productive activities to focus more on money. And I think that we, you know, what we also look at is we don't need to spend a lot of money. Most, I always use as a rule of thumb, 25 new leads a month per agent on your team. So if you generate hundred new leads a month, then you need four buyer agents on your team. So the whole thing is control it, understanding your information, track your data and hold people accountable because agents pay tons of money to generate leads, but no Nobody's paying attention to the conversion of those leads. And I think that's the biggest difference between a team environment and a brokerage environment is the accountability factor. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think too, that the systems in place with a, a team um, to kind of have that accountability are so important to the value. So I want to talk some of the, the kind of strategy. So what do you think are like the top activities that you recommend team leaders do to increase the value of their firm? And let's start with the beginning, like teams that you start coaching. What do you, how do you guide them from the very beginning to optimize their value and saleability, even if they're not thinking exit strategy right now? Yeah, and most people, Tracy, quite frankly, they don't think exit strategy. You know, they don't think it until something dire happens in their life. And we say, let's be in control of it first. When we first start working with a team, the, everything starts with with the data. Okay, so we start with, you know, I want the last three years of somebody's profit and loss statement. Okay, we need to make sure we have the proper income categories, the proper expense categories broken out. A lot of people, you know, mix everything into one clump category. They call it commission income. Well, we break it down, listing income, buyer income, so we can see what percent of our business is coming from what side. The other thing on, on expense categories, okay, it's I'm very anal when it comes to a chart of accounts, okay, like in QuickBooks, because the more anal you can be on your profit and loss statement, the better. The other thing is we need to identify what I call is yaya. We know a lot of real estate agents, yaya is defined as personal expenses or expenses you run through the company that if I bought your company, I would not have. For example, a car lease, you run your lease through your business. Well, I won't have that car lease. Therefore, I call that yaya. Mm-hmm. Okay. And trust me, there's a lot that people run through their business. So the first thing is clean up the profit and loss statement, get your personal expenses out of your profit and loss statement. That is the number one thing a team can do. Because if I look at a clean PL, it's so easy to do evaluation then, but usually it takes 90 days to clean a profit and loss statement. So yeah, the if, first they, thing if is they that, even have one, because sure. a lot of them don't even have one. So I, yeah. I remember years ago, I asked a client, I said, can you send me your PL? And she goes, silence. And then she goes, Well, how do you spell that? <laughs> wow. And then I had another one ask for her PL, and she sent me 82 pages of her check register. Yeah. 
know, this is like 25 years ago, but okay, you get my gist. Yeah, yeah, let them don't. But you need you need to have strong financial tools. Also, we we look at all the operational tools. What are you using as a CRM? What are you using for lead management, lead incubation, lead conversion? We put together different reports and we start tracking leads coming in every month by media type. We track, you got to want to track your closings by media type, your expenses by media. So it's really a huge breakdown of the data. Once we have that, and that always generally takes about 90 days to help an agent get in place. And that's at a medium pace, not you know rocket pace. But you know, I think the first thing is operational excellence. That's where everyone needs to begin. So mm-hmm. folks listening, take a look at your profit and loss. Is it anal in the chart of accounts? Look at the operational systems that you need to run an effective, profitable business. You know, my goal for all of my clients, when we look at net profit, Tracy, is I expect all of my agents to net over 50% of the income they make. So if they make a million, we take away cost of goods sold, which might be what we pay team agents, right? So mm-hmm. I have $700,000 left in gross profit. I expect them to net 50% of that 700,000. I think my team's average about 53%, which is some of the highest in the industry. Let's take a quick break to talk about the real trends gathering of eagles. Hi, real estate leaders. It's Tracy Velt, editorial director of Real Trends. And I wanted to take a moment to highlight uh, two upcoming events that we have running back to back. The first one is on June 26th. It's our Deal Makers Conference. And this is not just for real estate leaders who are interested in buying or selling a company. This really speaks to profitability and how to um, build a brokerage with value. We'll also talk about some trends in the merger and acquisition and brokerage valuation business. Um, Steve Murray is hosting the event, and we've got some great speakers for you. Immediately following that is our annual gathering of Eagles, which will run on June 27th through the 28th. This event is for real estate leaders, association executives, um, your entire C-suite, as well as team leaders. And we've got some some great speakers and topics. We're recovering everything from mortgages entry into real estate to recruiting and evolving business models, highlighting some of the different business models that are are your competitors today. We've also are looking into improving capture rates of core services, talking about managing relationships with top teams, And we've got more. In addition, Larry Kendall is our keynote speaker. And in addition to his keynote, he's doing a special ninja workshop. It's a limited um, audience. So it's first come, first serve. So we'd love to have you register for the Gathering of Eagles. Again, it's at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, June 26th through the 29th. The 26th is our Dealmakers Conference. It's a separate registration from the Gathering of Eagles. You can find out everything by going to realtrends.com and clicking on the events tab. Thanks so much and hope to see you there. And now back to the podcast. So let's talk about you. You had mentioned that you recently helped a team sell, and I think you said for a couple of a million. What did they have that allowed them 
to sell? Um, you know, let's talk specifics. Like, you know, obviously the Rainmaker was not one single person. What were some of the things that they did correct um, to really earn that valuation? Well, the, the neat thing is uh, the guy, uh, he's been a client for like 15 years now. And he came up and spent two full days with me after about a year of coaching with me. And we broke down his profit and loss in his media summary. But, and so I had him understand he is a data junkie, a high C personality, loves detail. At the end of two days of working together, we cut $50,000 off of his marketing budget a month. Wow. And we increased lead volume. So the first thing was get rid of the fat that we're spending. And you know, why are you, if you're generating 2000 leads, but you only have people to handle a thousand, why do I want the other thousand leads? So why don't we cut, curl, you know, curtail what we're spending for lead gen? Let's get work on conversion because I look at like on the buyer leads. I mean, I got teams generating two, 3000 leads a month, Tracy. I expect a minimum of a 3% conversion a month. Okay, on the buy side and 30% on the list side. So the whole thing is understand your data, okay, and, and cut the fat. A lot of agents just go, they buy everything. Like with our clients, they can't spend more than 250 bucks in their business without talking to their coach because they hire us to improve net profit, improve sales, but they fire us if net looks bad. So we need to have a say so in how you spend money. And you need accountability partners, folks. You want to spend money. Don't just make an irrational decision to buy it. Talk to somebody. Check references of the product you want to buy. Because usually I'll say no nine times out of 10 on what they want to spend because they don't need more leads. So what do you, what do you think are some of the um, better, um, you know, systems that some of the teams that you're coaching are using? Well, I think when you look from a lead incubation standpoint, to me, Boomtown is what, you know, one of the top platforms. A lot of the different CRMs, we've got a lot of people, when we look at uh, tracking our contact, you know, contacts, you know, a lot of people are using Top Producer, which is an online portal. It also does transaction management. So it's all about fine tuning and making, getting rid of paper checklists and, and relying upon electronic checklists. We have our own proprietary systems that we also use on tracking data. But the biggest thing is a lead generator, which Boomtown would do, a lead incubator, which Boomtown does both. Uh, another great tool that's really come on board fast in probably the last year is HomeBot. Okay, HomeBot is one of the most prolific uh, seller valuation tools I've seen in my you know, 20 years since these tools started becoming available. So I think you got to make sure you have your leads are being incubated and you're staying in touch regularly. Your seller leads are sending at least monthly seller valuations. When you have a seller valuation tool, that becomes a micro farm of sellers because all sellers in America have one thing in common. The house will eventually sell. Maybe not in our lifetime, but it will eventually sell. And so we need to stay in touch with these. We have agents, you know, going out and they're doing farming. Well, they're only mailing a direct mail piece. So that does no good. When you get something like a, a seller valuation tool, now I can call them. What did you think of the value? And I got clients that are writing two to three CMAs a week out of that platform right now. So it's a great seller, a lead gen and lead incubation tool. Whereas Boomtown is one of the best a buyer, a lead gen and lead incubation. Okay. Those are the, and, and a great CRM. Okay. okay now, I, there's different ones coming on the market now, mm -hmm. but majority of the people that you know we coach seem to uh, go towards top producer because contact management and transaction management. Okay. Um, so what are you seeing as far as the organizations who are most likely to purchase and, and kind of pay top dollar for teams today? Uh, 
that's kind of a loaded question. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, teams are a heck of a lot more difficult than selling like, let's say a company or a brokerage because they attract different buyers in the brokerage uh, community. You might have other brokerages wanting to get bigger in a particular market. So you have other brokerages buying up other brokerages. So, or you have people who, who have been in real estate who want to own a company. I just completed a sale of one of my, one of my teams. Okay. Where we're bringing in an outsider of real estate, but he has, he, he's a big investor in real estate. So I think, you know, the corporately you're looking more, more at business people that would buy something like that or other brokerages where in teams, generally it comes from within. Okay. okay. So in the te- team environment, usually look, do we have a team member that maybe is capable of paying for your team and the way they pay for it and structured is, you know, different, every deal's different, but usually teams start from within. It's very rare. I see an outside company wanting to buy a team. Okay. So I've done that too. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get lucky. Do you see any brokers rolling in um, and purchasing teams? Um, Yes, I do. Matter of fact. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's it. So you'll see a, a, a brokerage, you know, you look at some of you selling three or 400 homes, they'll go out and buy that team. Okay. Okay. Because all of a sudden it gives them a massive increase of, of visibility within the marketplace when you're selling north of two to 300 homes. Yeah. It has to be a, a special, you know, high producing team, obviously, but um, it's, it's in different cases. So what are some of the, um, you know, tips you have for team leaders looking to exit the business in the next year or so? Like, what do you, um, you know, we've kind of talked about this, go over your financials, but is there anything else that you think is important for them to know? Well, I think, you know, usually, you know, if we're looking from the team environment, usually in the team environment, it's going to take a good two to three years, unless you have somebody already on your team who maybe is a partner in the business. That's a different story. But if you're a standalone agent, you really don't have anybody and you're selling north of, and I don't care, folks, if if you're only selling 50 homes and you've been doing it for 10 years, that database has a value. The worst case scenario, give it to someone and get a referral fee for the rest of your life. So I I think the team, if somebody's looking to get out of the business next year, that would be very, very tough unless they already have somebody in mind to take over the business. Okay. Um, and, and it could be that the broker facilitates a sale to someone within the same brokerage just to keep yep. that market share. So yep, absolutely. Yeah. And that very well could be the case. Yeah. Most likely, Tracy, that is where it would come from too, from yeah. within a brokerage versus them being a standalone company. Right, right. Um, and so where do you see the biggest opportunities for real estate teams um, and, and brokers in the next year or so? Well, given current market conditions, you know, that's a loaded question because, you know, with the shortage of listing inventory, with interest rates starting to rise, which I'm happy, okay, because uh, we need the listing inventory. So right now, it's we have to consistently be shifting who our client is. We have to look at, you know, seller valuation tools because that's our future listings. Mm -hmm. Okay. So all the aspects of business become grossly important and it really does always shift. I mean, you look at, I've been doing this 30 years and people say, you know, my average client's been with me 14 or 15 years and people go, are they that slow that they need you that long? And I go, well, look at the different markets we've had over the last 20 years. And so we, my job as as a real estate consultant and coach 
is to stay six months to a year ahead of my clients. See what trends are coming by listening and you know talking to different people up on in on the hill, okay, or or you know you know the movers and shakers of where you know economists and what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you know for for a team. When you look at opportunities that exist, number one, it's just get your house in order first. And I think the biggest threats that are coming is agents not being in tune. If you have a team, you're not in tune to your team's, uh, you know, really mental capacity. Because in today's world of multiple offers, it's very easy to get depressed when you keep losing multiple offers. So we have to keep coming up with new and innovative ways to keep keep our teams energized. So it's all about bringing positive energy into your environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and what are some of those trends that you're seeing, um, you know, in the market or in the real estate team activities um, that they're focusing on today? Well, yeah, a lot of it, you know, is we're doing fun things. We're going bowling. It has nothing to do with real estate. See, because right now it is very difficult. And in a traditional brokerage, you know, the, the agent works in a traditional broker, goes to the broker, the broker, the manager, and he says, well, just pick up the phone and call more people. Well, in the team environment, we do things grossly different. We focus on family work-life balance first. You know, it's very important. So a lot of our teams are doing, we used to do things quarterly. Now I have teams doing something monthly to protect the morale of the team that they have, and it's working to a phenomenal degree. Do you see that that um, you know more homes will eventually be coming on the market anytime in the next year or so? No. Yeah. I really don't. It comes down to new construction. We have supply chain issues. Okay, we have cost issues. A builder used to be able to build a house in four or five months. Now it's taken nine months to a year. Labor shortages are just enormous. So I don't see the listing uh, situation changing probably through next year even. That's yeah. why it's important to start putting tools like a seller valuation tool in place because that's where you're going to have to rely upon, okay, is, is people you're incubating. Also, people's own sphere of influence. Master the neighborhood where you live. Every team agent, every agent on your team should own their neighborhood where they live. Go door knocking, drop off a business card, let people in the neighborhood know you're in real estate. You know, you, we get upset when we see a for sale sign go up in our neighborhood and so an agent will say, yeah, I can't believe they listed with so-and-so. Did they even know you're in real estate? Well, I don't even know who they are. I said, they're your next door neighbor, for God's sake. Yeah. See, because agents, when they get into their house, they just want to become the chameleon, shut the doors. Folks, we're in, real estate's a contact sport. Okay. The more people you contact, the higher opportunity you have to do more deals. What about opportunities in and getting some of these investors to cash in on their their investment homes? I know we're in Florida and there are pockets of high areas that have high high number of investors purchasing in those neighborhoods. Um, what are you seeing as far as trends that way? And do, are you seeing them wanting to cash in on their profits, or are they just going to hold forever? <laughs> Well, my attitude is, is especially when we look at seller valuation tools, I tell all my clients, find the non-owner occupied properties and get those properties into a seller valuation tool so that investor can start seeing what the value is. You're right, Tracy, here in Florida, okay, I, I, my goodness, okay, my, my neighbor sold his house for $2.2 million, and I, I, I was shocked because the highest sale before was not, no more than a million dollars. 
You know, and so investors, a lot of times, though, because investors are looking at the shortage of inventory, because they also looked at how much rents are up. So they're really making a lot of money because they're raising the rents. Yeah, yeah. And so they want to, you know, so we have investors that are buy and flip investors. You got to pay attention, new laws coming in on that. But you also have, uh, you know, the people who want to uh, buy something and hold it for an investment. So just know what type of investor that you're working with. And I think a buy and hold investor definitely needs other valuation on all their properties. A buy and flip, you can show the investor what properties are available. Okay. Well, great. Is there anything you want to add that that we didn't talk to? I've, I've really asked all the questions that I had. And, um, you know, is there any last words that you want to say about team profitability and, and exit strategies? Pay attention to it. All right. Yeah, you know, in your mind, everybody should be thinking, all right, when would I like the ability to walk away from this business and then just work everything backwards? If you say, I want to walk away from this business in 10 years, I say, let's cut it to five. Mm -hmm. Okay, and start working it backwards because as soon as you have your house in order and we work on your own personal net worth, okay, paying attention because now we want to sell the business. Well, what does your personal financial situation look like? So when you're telling a team, it's not just selling the team, but it's also worried about the individual and what does their personal financial house look like? So helping them build, you know, that retirement income from a net profit. So it's not just about the business. You got to pay attention to your personal life as well. So I think, you know, the biggest thing is to, make a decision of when you want the ability to walk away and then put together an action list of what you want to do. I've been doing this 32 years, Tracy. I do it because I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about helping people achieve the goals and dreams that they set out a long time ago. Also to burst through the ceiling of where they thought their dreams would stop. Yeah. Well, Bob, you've um, offered some great advice. I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate all of the knowledge that you have on this subject. And um, I appreciate you taking time to talk to Real Trends today. Awesome, Tracy. It was my pleasure. I love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.